Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have a fantastic guest here this week. I uh, was not familiar with this gentleman until recently, and his name is Dean Ray. He is a musician that lives in Australia. And, uh, you know, when I heard his new album, when I first heard like the first few notes of the first song, I was like, oh, okay, it's it's singer-songwriter kind of stuff. And that isn't a, a genre that I typically... Uh, go after a song here and there is always nice, but it's just not the style of music that typically draws me in to go. Oh wow, I want to hear what this is all about. But let me tell you, I listen to every song on this album with great interest because it's fantastic. There isn't a single song on here that I'm like, eh. I mean, every one of them is is something that really, uh, for lack of a better term, struck a chord with me. And so I'm really excited to uh, have an opportunity to speak with him about this album and what he's got going on and his plans for the next thing and all that good stuff. And we're going to get to him in just a minute. Very grateful to uh, find a new artist that I can just, you know, dig into their work right off the bat and enjoy every little thing that I hear. So uh, that was a great thing. And then um, what else is going on? So my new show, Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast, will start airing on November 3rd. And I'll be launching multiple episodes that day. Uh, but to uh, create the RSS feed to link to all of the things that I need to link to, I have to uh, release an episode to be able to release the episodes. It's kind of a weird thing, but I get it. Um, it this Releasing this unlocks that code. And then I can set up everything else so that come November 3rd, uh, when I release the podcast, everything will go to all of the places that the show will release, including the uh, embeddable player that I will have on my website. So uh, I was going to do the introduction and then a few episodes on November 3rd, but I have to do the introduction ahead of time. So that is should be, by the time this episode airs, that should be available. If you go to my website, scotthaskin.com, and click on the link at the top under Uriah Heap Podcast, you will be taken to the podcast page. It won't be fully set up just yet because all the feeds may not have come in yet. But uh, the links to all the social media stuff, you know, Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, all those things will be there. Uh, the show will not air on YouTube, but it will air on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those good places. And and the host uh, that hosts the show is Podbean. They will have uh, it on their site as well as it will be able to stream on my website. So that's a really cool thing I'm excited on. It's going to be a long journey, and uh, it's every single album track and bonus track that they recorded in the studio, unless I'm not aware of a bonus track or can't find it, then I can't do a review of it. But uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. And and I'm so grateful to have the support of Mickbox, and uh, it, it, I wouldn't be doing the show if I didn't have that. When I interviewed him on this show last month, uh, we talked about it after the interview. I, I posed the question to him and he was excited about it and uh, said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So um, very grateful to him for that and excited to bring you the Uriah Heap music uh, one song at a time, one week at a time for the next however many years it takes to get all those songs reviewed. Um, so far, it's looking to be about six, and that includes the album that they're going into the studio in February to record, but who knows how many more albums they're going to record after that. But if they record it, I'm going to review it, and we're just going to keep going. So that is it with that. The album that I'm working on, the follow-up to the album Entranced, which I am brilliantly calling Entranced 2, 
because I couldn't think of a better title. No, actually, that just works for me. Um, that is slowly happening. Of course, I've been very distracted from that with setting up the new podcast and keeping this show going. But I've already got a couple songs written. I'm working on the third one now. So that will happen at some point. Once I've got the podcast set up in the first few episodes uh, up and running, then I'll have more time to um, to work on the album. So I don't know if that will happen by the end of this year, but I'm hoping that it will. But I've got a couple of uh, singles that I'm going to release for Halloween I'm going to have those uh, done and uh, hopefully uploaded this week. So that's coming. And um, all, of course, the, the links will be on the homepage of my website at scotthaskin.com. So that's, uh, that's pretty much everything that's happening in my world. Now let's find out what is going on in the world of Dean Ray. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have a special guest coming to you all the way from Australia, where it is early in the morning for him. And I appreciate him getting up and taking some time to uh, chat with us today about his new album, Four Track Sessions, Volume One. And it is very good. So let's dig in. Welcome, Dean Ray. Dean, how are you? Hey, man, how are you going? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm adjusting to the new world, but... Yeah, going okay. And I wonder how long before it evolves into whatever the next thing might be that we have to adapt to. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Not long, I don't imagine. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the good thing, though, about guys like us is that we can still do a lot of the things that we just love doing. And that really helps sustain us through this time. Can't really perform too well right now. But uh, certainly you can write and you've written a brilliant album. Uh, how long? Thanks, man. Thank you. How long was this in the works for you? Um, well, not intentionally. It's been in the in the pipeline for ten years or so. Um, some of the songs, some of the songs on the album, I wrote, yeah, a decade ago, and have reworked them recently. But as far as it being proposed as putting an album together, it was a very sort of it was sort of an afterthought. Um, I'd released a bunch of acoustic style songs with this four track sessions vibe. And then my team suggested that we, you know, solidify it into an album. And so I think I sort of got it all together in about two or three months. That's pretty good. Something like that. I will say it's interesting that some of the songs were written so long ago because listening to the album, it really, and, and obviously, you know, you worked on modernizing them, but you really couldn't tell a difference in, say, uh, maturing and writing over a decade. It really all sounds fresh and modern right now. So whatever you restructured, you really put it into place. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I, I put a lot of work into to rebuilding them. The structures of the songs have remained the same, you know, uh, melodically and stuff like that for the most part. But lyrically, I went back and did a big overhaul and just got rid of things that, you know, so I'm late 20s now, so a late teens guy, like you could tell that it was written by a 17 or 18-year-old. So I wanted to just get rid of all those immature lines that were a bit shallow because I didn't know what I was talking about, whereas now I'm well-versed on on what's happening in life mm -hmm. uh, compared to them. Sure. So I just kind of went with a modern, like a added maturity to it as best that I could. Well, I think it comes through great. And I have, I'm going through this ongoing project of taking uh, albums that 
I did like a soft release for and modernizing the songs and looking back on some of them going, what was I thinking? And some of it is really easy to edit yourself, but some things I found a little bit challenging more on the music side than the, than the lyrical side, because lyrics are pretty easy. You go, okay, that just sounds bad. I'm going to change it. But did you find it hard mm. to really be the producer and get yourself away from the emotional connection to the song? Um, I mean, I, I, I think I took a more relaxed approach with it, to be honest, man. I just would spend late nights smoking, drinking, and playing music in the studio and, and recorded it, you know? So I guess once the song had been... Once I'd ticked that off and said, you know, that's that's done. I've like the the writing process is done. Then I'd just start enjoying it, you know, and playing around with the production of it. And this wasn't too much involved in the production of it because this story songs four tracks, so just four microphones, um, and kept it really very raw, you know. But there's a lot of practicing involved. So like I set myself a bunch of rules, so no auto tune on vocals no fixing little things like that. Um, and I was only allowed to do two takes, start to finish, start to finish. So instead of, you know, I've just noticed in studios, people will go verse, 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 you know, do a verse at a time and do the choruses and stuff like that. But I, I wanted to do it old school where you've kind of got to go from the start to the finish. Um, so I did that twice and then picked the best parts from that. I like that. Yeah, it just gives a... Well, I think the, the, the delivery comes across better because you've practiced the song more instead of just laying down the best that you can do at the time. You know, it's like, no, give it a week before you rehearse, before you uh, record the, the vocals and practice it, you know, for maybe 10, 15 hours over that week period and then record it. And it usually comes out a lot better, I feel. But, uh, I mean, I kept it... I kept blemishes in there, you know, like there's little parts of the vocals where they're not perfect, but they were perfect for how I was feeling at the time. You know, they came out that way for a reason. So I kept them like that. Human. And I think we can identify more with things that are human. Well, that's right. I'm not a big fan of having everything be perfect. That's it, man. Um, I can't stand it. I turn on top 40 radio stations now, the mainstream stations, and it just it's like listening to a robot because they've tuned even vocalists that don't need to be tuned. They tune them. Mm -hmm. It's like, why would you say they sound like a robot that you're getting rid of all the, the soulful notes and the soulful delivery. You're getting rid of all that so that the advertisers are happy. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you can have something that's technically perfect, but as an, as a listener, can you connect with it? And this kind of music that's right. It really needs, you really have to be able to connect with the song. Yeah, there's got to be blue notes in this stuff. You know, um, I tried out the pop world about probably six, seven years ago now, and I, I dabbled around in the pop realm, but it just wasn't for me because, because of that. There are many factors, but that was the main thing for me was there was no, uh, I, I wasn't personally connecting with the songs that I was singing. Um, and when I listened to the recordings, I was like, you know, that's fat. That sounds really, really full. That sounds dope. But it doesn't have the blue notes. It doesn't have the soul. And what's the point of music if there's no soul? That's, you know, that seems for me the main purpose of music is to 
affect our emotions and stuff like that in a deeper level. Um, and if it's not, then what is it? Right. And songs like this are, are really all about the journey. Whatever the story is, it's taking us mm. on that journey with you. And if I don't feel emotionally connected to the song, not only do I not really care about the journey, I don't care what happens when you get there either. So have to have those elements. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's, there's songs, there's plenty of songs out there that aren't story songs. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the mainstream music we're hearing now aren't necessarily story songs at all. Uh, some of them pop through that have good stories, but some of them, most of them don't seem to have much of a story per se. Um, but this sort of stuff, you know, with, with these sorts of songs, um, there's only really one way to do it, and that's just to be raw and honest with it. Mm-hmm. I agree. You've got the right idea, and it certainly shines through on these tracks. Uh, I I was really this isn't a style of music that I typically would be would have as like a go to. But when I listened to to the album, I thought, man, every single one of these tracks, there's nothing that I felt was filler or something that you're like, well, I need one more song. So I'll just throw this one on there. I mean, every track has a good spot on that album. Thanks, man. Well, it's a it's a global market now. You know, I think people are starting to wake up to that as far as artists. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm in Sydney, Australia, but when I release music, it has to compete with what's happening internationally in the Western world. Otherwise I don't gain any chart action here because, well, it's hard for me to get airplay in Australia because, um, you have to chart on Spotify to get the airplay and the people charting on Spotify are usually with big act, uh, big labels in LA and London, New York, Nashville, stuff like that. So it's tricky. You, everyone is competing in a global market now. So I think if you just rush out a song, go, oh, I need one more song. Yeah, I'll throw this one in there. That's not good enough. You know, it has to be scrutinized just as someone would scrutinize it internationally, you know? That's an excellent point. Spotify really has become a huge controller of our market now. Yeah, which is disappointing, but you know, I mean, it's a. I've been told it's a great place to be discovered and and to grow and stuff. And, I, and I've seen that there are people streaming my songs from places where they wouldn't have access to it otherwise. So it's good for that. Um, as far as it's, the way it's monetized, I think that needs to be changed. You know, there's. I don't think there's enough money going back into their their royalties in a sense. You know, like the artists aren't getting paid as much as they should be. I think here, if I were to get a million streams, I get paid about between five and $6,000, which for you guys is about mm, two, two and a half, three grand um, for a million streams. But it takes a, it, it can cost a lot of money in promo to get a million streams on a song and you don't make that back. So I feel like the model, the, the streaming model is, is broken at the moment. I mean, it works well if you're on the receiving end, but if you're on the supplying end, supplying the music to these streaming sites, the model's broken completely. So I think until that changes, we're going to see more and more artists quit and move into day jobs. You're going to see more and more labels shut down and turn into a marketing agency um, or just liquidate altogether. So uh, I think there's a lot of changes ahead 
but I think once we come out the other side of this, maybe in a decade, uh, it's it's going to look a lot better for for artists globally. You're absolutely right, and I know that that people like uh, ASCAP and BMI and the performing rights organizations are still trying to help shape what this all is, how it's all going to work between Spotify and then internet yeah. plays and all that. Uh, it, it's so open. It's interesting. You can post a, a video on YouTube and have it shut down as soon as the video is done uploading. You'll get the copyright uh, violation notice. But I could put uh, this this mm. same song on my podcast on the regular podcast channels, and no one will flag it. Yeah, yeah. It's a strange. It's a strange world. Um, I love. I love Spotify. Like, it's. A, I, I love it personally. I use it every day. I think Spotify is an incredible app, mm-hmm. but. The more I'm, the more I use it, the more I realize that the that we're not getting paid enough. You know, when I listen to a song by someone, they're not getting paid even one cent, one cent per stream. That would be a great step in the right direction. One cent per stream. That'd be huge. Because at the moment, it's zero point zero six three or something like it's it's well below a cent. One cent's not much to ask. I couldn't afford to get one individual haircut for for what I get for a play on Spotify. What I find interesting is that yeah. I get uh, shazammed a lot, and Spotify picks mm. those up. But but I'll get shazammed in Bulgaria, and I'm thinking, where am I? Be like, yeah. what what speaker system is playing me in Bulgaria where somebody would have the ability to shazam me in the first place? <laughs> I know it's weird when I see data reports like that, and it says. You know, you've been shazammed in Peru. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't even locate Peru right now off the top of my head. I know it's in South America, but I don't know whereabouts. And it's just it, that that part of Spotify I love. I think it's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I think w- once we all come together as an industry and start to stand up for, for our rights, you know, uh, I think over the next 10 years we can we can change it to a positive payment system and copyright system so that yeah there's the wrong people are making the, the the right money at the moment right no you're absolutely right and i i do know that there are at least people working on that at this time which kind of gives me a little bit of hope totally other than us yeah, just me too, me sitting too. here and going well someday it's going to be different no there are people that are actually working on it so that that definitely yeah. shines a little light for me uh, but I do think it's it, if we could convert those people, though, from a streaming a song and saying, wow, I really like that to going and purchasing the album or at least purchasing the song on iTunes or somewhere. Um, I think that would be nice in the interim. But I don't I don't see that happening a lot. Yeah, I tend to use Spotify for um, sampling something. If I think if I want to if, if, if an artist that I like has released a new product, I will sample the product there. And then if it, if I, you know, if it hits me, I will go and purchase the vinyl, you know, and then I've got the product and I own, I own those sounds and I can listen to them. And the the cool thing about vinyl is you can smell your purchase. Yes. (laughs) It has its own, the cardboard smells and the, you know, a product has got to stimulate your senses, not just one of them. You know, but stimulate touch, smell, sight, hearing. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you could taste a vinyl if you really wanted to, but I'd probably avoid licking your records. 
<laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Uh, but I, I remember very distinctly certain record companies, the, the plastic sleeve that they would put around the album cover had a certain smell and you would have to be really careful how you yeah. slid it off so you didn't get static pops on your LP before you've even played it. Uh, there yeah, were some yeah. challenges there. But I remember the, those. The album cover was the greatest thing. Like the album cover, the the liner notes, if they put those in, because you can't read them on a CD now. It's so impossible. Yeah, they're so small, man. Yeah. So small. Um, CDs, are, CDs are pretty well, they're obsolete now. I mean, yeah. not long ago, not long ago, it was about 50-50 between download streams and physicals, like CD units. And now it seems to have flipped, you know, to 40, 35% CDs. I mean, cars aren't really making cars anymore with with CD players. So, you know, there's I've been looking at a, a there's a hole in the market there for a physical unit that has been modified. So, I've been working with some people on on such a product that should be still, you know, a a product that you would purchase, but it's in, in it's delivered in such a way that it works with your car that has no cd player you know what i mean right yeah almost almost like a, a flash drive model you know something that you could just yeah. a- attach to really quickly and, and make it work that was the great thing about cds was that you could just go to any song you wanted it in any moment you didn't have to fast forward to a cassette or wait for your eight track to mm-hmm. shift uh that was a real yeah. appeal to them but they sounded horrible mm. when they first started because they were just yeah, flat they're, not, transfer. they're not the greatest sound no yeah at all and and the skipping, what got me was the skipping, because uh, where I grew up in Australia is very, uh, the roads aren't very good. So, because we got, well, there's only like seven states in Australia, or six states and one territory, something like that. So they're massive, massive areas of land to cover, and the budget for the roads is not overly great. Um, we've got a population here less than... LA, you know, in the whole country, everyone's spread out, and and Australia is about the size of America, of North America. So um, the United States, pretty much, you can fit Australia in it. Uh, so to drive from one side to the other is just as far, pretty much. So, but you've got twenty, I think, twenty six million people living here, spread out all over that. In a lot of rural rural land, that's yeah. The further inland you drive, the worse the roads get. And I, I lived about seven hours inland from the coast, from the east, from the east coast. So sort of probably, probably around where Tennessee would be. Okay. In America, mm-hmm. sort of that far inland, um, but not not as green. It's all very very dry, quite barren in some in some parts. But the roads were terrible, and CDs would just skip and scratch all the time. Oh sure. Um, so I used to I used to use cassettes as much as I could because they wouldn't skip. Yeah, exactly. And they had a better sound. They do. They got a much warmer sound, don't they? I think so. But speaking of sound, I love them. Um, I love the recording that you got on this album because it just it's it's minimal instrumentation, but it sounds so rich and full at the same time. Uh, was that your your strategy going in, or was that just like, hey, this sounds really good. Let's maintain this level. Um, it was. It just the the first song I recorded was actually the, the one that we put as, as, as track one, is Chapel Street, and that song, it just sort of I just sort of did it. I didn't think too much about it. I was just like it needs a guitar, it needs a 
a secondary guitar and then a, and then a vocal and we'll see what happens, you know. Uh, and then after that, I started to challenge myself as to how full I could get a song with four tracks. So there's some songs in there where there's an acoustic guitar going, there's an electric guitar going, but the electric will also play harmony notes of itself on certain things. And in the vocal takes, I had two vocal takes through. I used the shaker whenever it came to the lead solo. I stood back from the mic and used the shaker on both of my vocal takes, so the harmony and the lead. So that adds this this shaker effect that goes in the background. It's kind of yeah, just making do with with different stuff. How you how you would have done it to make a full demo sound with you know a Porter Studio back in the day. Yeah, and and it just it came out so good. The sound is clean, but but it's just. It just strikes me how rich and full it is. And interestingly, Chapel Street is actually my favorite song on the album. Oh, sick. Yeah. You also did a cover. You did uh, If You Want My Love by Cheap Trick. What was the uh, the premise behind doing that one? The melody of that song, like the original of that song, is just ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, too, like what that band did with a song like that. Very interesting. Uh, and I wanted to take it to more of a chilled out level, more of a ballad, you know, because it was a rock ballad. I wanted to sort of bring it back to a, a ballad ballad. So that was sort of, that was my intention, was just to tone it down a bit. And there's some parts in there which are suitable for the rock ballad, but weren't, when I've toned it down, they just didn't fit. So I had to adjust some things melodically with the song and with some of the chords just to get it to fit into that ballad environment. But for the most part, I mean, it sounds recognizably the cheap trick song. It's not, uh, it's not too left of center. No, but it blends in really well with the style of the album too. It's, it's just, it's kind of that nice balance between identifying it with, with the original, but also having it fit within the confines of what you were doing here. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by that actually. It was very nice. Awesome, man. Thank you. So this is labeled as four track sessions, volume one. So obviously you're looking mm-hmm. at more. What uh, what's your your focus going forward? Um, I've started working on another, like on volume two. I'm starting to shortlist some songs, and I'll start um, workshopping those songs and making them better, as good as I can possibly make them, and then start the tracking process. And I'll probably, you know, it's, it'll be a similar vibe. It's going to be the acoustic style storyteller stuff. That's the next project. Uh, but we are looking at a full production album soon. Oh, very good. Uh, which will be called, we're looking at calling that The Shelf. And it's a bunch of songs that I'd written or connected with in the time that I was put on the shelf by a major label here in Australia. Ooh. And we just didn't, we didn't see eye to eye. And so they put me up on the shelf and weren't really interested in letting me get out until we involved some, some heavyweights from New York to, to get us out. But I've got a bunch of songs there and I, I want to put them all on one album, you know, and have it more of a journey style album where it's a start to finish flow. Okay. Not just a compilation, you know, where a bunch of songs that I've got and I put them on an album. So I want it to be a bit more of a an old school album style, but I do have the sound for that. I've recorded some demos a couple of years ago and I've there's this sound that I've had in my head for years. And I finally figured out what those elements were, you know, and how to make them work together. So we're going to get cracking on that pretty soon. That sounds like a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that. 
I'm already looking forward to it. Oh, it's going to be sick, man. It's got like, uh, there'll be 80s sort of, going back to 80s drum, like drum machine tracks and stuff like that. Okay. Um, in with acoustic sort of music. It's going to be, it's going to be sick. That sounds like a very fun project. Very fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward, <laughs> I'm looking to, it forward to working on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, uh, we have the, uh, the lost eighties live tour, which is a bunch of bands from the eighties, whoever signs up for the tours that year, uh, throughout the year, they typically do like, you know, three or four bands will go on a short tour here and there. And then they all come together here in Las Vegas in September and do the, the big show oh, with wow. everybody, you know, flock of seagulls usually headlines because they're the Grammy award winning band. Uh, but you know, we've had missing mm-hmm. persons and, uh, all kinds of bands show up. So I'm a huge fan of that era of music. So I'll be curious to see what this sounds like. Are you planning on doing any uh, any live performances, like any uh, Facebook streaming or anything? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start doing some more of it. Uh, we've done one live stream so far. So uh, when when lockdown started to happen around the globe, I just noticed a lot of artists that I follow seem to be inundating their followers with content, mm-hmm. like giving them too much. Like every day they were doing a stream. It's like, dude, no one wants, no one wants to hear you that much. Like, <laughs> like don't make your, don't make your followers sick of what you do. So I didn't do one. I actually, I, I didn't do a stream thing until oh, earlier this month, I think. And, um, we launched the four track sessions on a Facebook stream from a production warehouse, oh. which a friend of mine, a friend of mine, has got this warehouse. I said, man, could we, you know, instead of doing it in my lounge room or in a rehearsal room or somewhere like that, like, could we maybe do it at, at your warehouse? Cause all of, all of his, you know, all of his production equipment, trusses and lighting and road cases and all that were all in there at the time. So, he set up this really sick little stage and great lighting and had a forklift in the background and all these racking and stuff like that. So it's really, it's a really cool vibe. That was the first one we'd done. It's a weird thing to do when you finish a song and there's no noise, there's no crowd noise, whether it be applause or even just chattering or breathing, you know, there's just dead silence. It's a bizarre feeling. Right. The only way you know anybody's even there is just because the comments are streaming up your screen that you can't read. But uh, yeah, that has to be, I I think about for musicians that are doing that, I think about athletes, you know, uh, hockey, baseball, all that, that are playing to no crowd stadiums. That's got to have some kind of impact psychologically on you that, that no, you, you don't have that vibe coming up. Well, yeah, you seem to lack the adrenaline. Yeah. Adrenaline is a is a great it's a great drug that sort of seems to kick in when you've got an audience. And I mean, I had a bit of adrenaline happening that night because I was nervous about the stream because I hadn't done the stream before. But if you're an athlete and you're running out into an empty stadium, you know, empty stadiums are. They're cool, but they don't. It's not. It's not that same vibe. It would have been very hard, I think. The lack of adrenaline they'd have running out to an empty, an empty stadium. Yeah, it feels more like a practice. Yeah, totally. It'd be. It'd be super weird. I think so too. Well, I. I definitely am. Uh, am a fan of yours. I'm so glad I got to connect with you and uh, talk to you about this. I look forward to uh, to some more. And this new album that you're going to work on sounds really, really intriguing. So I'm curious to see what you do with it. Thanks, man.
Thanks, bro. We'll we'll be be sure to be sure to let you know. Oh, definitely, and uh, and come back and see us again. Well, hear us, listen yeah, to, or I'll, talk I'll, to me. Once the once the world <laughs> opens up, too, I'll um once the world opens up, I'll give you a shout. There's a there's a guy in in Vegas who I need to come over and and meet. He's offered me a, a one of his spare cars to drive around Arizona and have a look around. Oh, so um, when I do that, when I can finally do that, I'll um I'll look you up. Oh, definitely do. And uh, we'll stay in touch. But in the meantime, keep making this wonderful music. And thank you for this album. It's uh, it's it's really enjoyable. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. You bet. You take care, my friend. All right. You too. Bye bye. What an enjoyable guy. I mean, not only is his music enjoyable, but he's just like a great guy to talk to. Has his finger on the pulse, has a has a great focus on what he's doing. He's very inspired. You can feel that in what he's saying. And I just love talking to people like that. Makes it very easy for me to do my job. But it's also great for me as a fan of music to find other creators that are, are just, you know, they're not just pushing a button and saying, all right, let's do the formula again. Here's how you write a song. He's actually putting thought into his songs. He's, he's uh, doing what I'm doing with some of my older songs and kind of revamping uh, them for modern times and modern sounds. So I definitely respect that. Check out his music. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Please remember to leave a rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you're listening to the show. Subscribe. If you have any questions or suggestions, send me an email at scott at scotthaskin.com. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.